This is the Punk Show Podcast. Hola. Hola. How are you? Uh, you're pumped, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing okay, man. Just caught me right after uh, two and a half hours of tennis. Oh, wow. <laughs> do you need? Do you want a few minutes to gather yourself? No, or? no, no, no. I, I won, so I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I just play against old punk rockers, junkies, and drug dealers. <laughs> oh, so you have an advantage. That's good. Yeah, it's at a it's at a uh, school right next to a school too. So yeah, it's a it's an interesting scene. But uh, yeah, man, I'm all good. I'm all good. Okay, fantastic. Hey, you know, do you do you want do you like JD or Jeff? Because I feel like I want to call you Jeff, but you seem to be JD yeah, now. Me, yeah, I call me Pankus or Jeff or JD. Would uh, yeah, there's there's different uses for all of them, I guess. Okay, even Jeffrey fits in there sometimes. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, you can call me Jeff. That's no problem, man. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, I do appreciate you taking some time to chat with uh, little old me up here in Canada. No, no, my pleasure, man. Thanks for taking the time out for me, man. Of course. I think I want to start off by talking about the book, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Um, what Does Regret Mean? It just came out. Actually, I guess it's not even officially really out yet, is it? Uh, it is to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't pulled the trigger and bought one yet because... Uh, uh, like you have to pre-order it through the one place and it's with a stupid Canadian dollar and thing. But I think I have a feeling after this conversation, I might just go ahead and, and get one because uh, as a fan, I need to have it. Uh, yeah, it's a really cool layout. Uh, you know, the, the, it was, you know, we started out trying to make a, an album and somehow ended up with a book. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and not exactly the way I was hoping it would end up. <laughs> well, that's, that's... the book's pretty cool. Yeah, it looks, just from what I've seen, it looks amazing. Like a really good coffee table book. Lots of people uh, contributing with their thoughts about the band and stuff. Uh, were you guys yeah. involved in the making of the book, or were you just kind of... Um... No, not really. We kind of stepped back. It was kind of funny because they had a bunch of a bunch of stuff. I almost used the S-bomb. <laughs> uh, you know, all of us have a bunch of stuff at our house, but everybody that contributed was pretty much outside of the band. Okay. And, uh, you know, so we, we yeah, I'm sure someone must have somewhere, and Paul probably did maybe a little bit. I don't think Gibby did. Uh, I know I was touring that whole time while that was going on, so I wasn't, you know, anywhere where I could look through and see what kind of uh, stupid things I had lying around that people might want to look at. Uh, but, uh, uh, but Paul might have. He was a little bit more hands-on with the uh, initially of it happening. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, we've, we've been working on music and stuff and, uh, uh, but, uh, then that kind of took a, a pause and then this guy spent a year of his, his life to put this together. And, uh, yeah, some of the quotes are pretty, pretty cool in there. And, uh, you know, uh, when I looked through it, I was just happy. Like, you know, uh, there's like a solo shot of me when Daniel Johnson, uh, uh, says we're all you know, Satanists and stuff, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, you know, I think the one too where Dale says he got physically ill at our show, and there's a picture of me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's why they did that, <laughs> but yeah, it was interesting. The shot selection. Uh, in my experience, there's always at least one member of every band that is like the collector, the the saver of the stuff. Is that Paul? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think Paul King is is pretty good at that stuff too. I don't even like you know. I don't even uh, like. I'm in a studio right now at my house and. I look around. I don't even really have anything butthole surfers even on my wall. I got Melvins and Pure Luck and yeah. my high school diploma and Atlanta <laughs> Falcons stuff. But, but uh, yeah, I guess I, I don't have so much stuff sitting around uh, from old days. I don't know. I keep stuff current. 
can't live in the past and, and the bucks aren't doing enough right now to to consider <laughs> right in, in in the in the current so uh, although we, we all are all doing stuff in fact gibby just sent me a 10 minute uh i guess it's a song idea he had but uh uh it was uh it might go really nicely over a like uh seven minute long song thing i have so who knows maybe we'll get something together i might just put it on there and send it to him right but uh yeah it's uh something he's got on cliff diving which i, I found very amusing for the whole 10 minutes <laughs> which was good to hear old gibby style stuff yeah but you know we haven't all been able to get together and well me and king have gotten together and and me and Paul are playing on each other's stuff, but right now I guess we're going to hold off on uh, doing anything as a as a band until everybody's ready at the same time. Well, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. I mean, you don't have to go into too much detail if you don't want or whatever, but I mean, it was, what, about a year and a half ago or so, the word was kind of floating around that uh, the Butthole Surfers are back in the studio and there was going to be some yeah. new music, and I mean, I was very excited about that, as were, of course, a lot of people, but... What happened? It just kind of didn't happen. Like it just kind of fell apart, or or what? Well, Paul Paul made the announcement and, and released information that because he went into the studio with King for a couple of days and uh, to get some drum tracks down for some of the stuff he wanted. I've been working at my house on on songs and uh, you know to to get together with the fellows and uh, uh, yeah. The, I guess there's difference in, uh, of opinions at first about what direction it was going to go into. Uh, and then after that, uh, you know, Gibby's been working on a book for a long time mm. that, uh, I thought was done, but I guess it's not even done yet. And he's trying, he's been trying to finish that for quite a while. It's been past due from what I know of it. And so that's kind of where his, uh, his head's been at is working on his book. Uh, and so we just continued working on all of our own stuff, uh, at the, uh, you know, when, when that came out and Paul actually did a release saying that, uh, it was not going to be an album anymore. And, uh, you know, and he, he did that. Someone sent it to me. So I'm not on the butthole surface forum, but he, uh, uh, cause the, the people on there are really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, you think? Yeah. 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 No, I got, st- I got stalked and thought, uh, yeah, it was really weird. So oh. I never went back on, oh, but, shit. uh, uh, after my invite, but he posted on there and someone sent me what he posted. And, uh, and so that was basically a release saying that there were no plans for one anymore at the, uh, you know, at the state. Right. So, uh, I think it's pretty official at that point when he did that, yeah. even though he just did it in that little world. But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, you know, who knows what the future holds? Uh, sure. I love all the guys and we have fun together and, uh, you know, uh, we talk to each other. It's just a matter of, uh, right time, right place, right right situation right right idea of you know we're going for uh you know an album where everything sounds different uh i wasn't on the album that did pepper right and that's not really my kind of stuff and you know if that's what they're going for i don't know really where my face fits in on it Mm. uh but uh uh you know there's not even bass on that song so uh is that right yeah yeah i didn't realize that until they wanted to do uh play it live and i said i didn't really want to play it and uh and I said, well, they didn't want to play Lady Sniff. And so I figured out a way to tie Lady Sniff and Pepper together into a medley. And uh, so we did that live a few times. We just had to drop the key of uh, of uh, Pepper down to uh, Lady Sniff. Okay. And, uh, and so, yeah, we just threw that uh, Pepper in for one break of Lady Sniff in between the... <laughs> uh, stuff. <laughs> nice. So, uh, but, yeah, so that was our compromise on that. 
but uh but yeah that and yeah, i think uh, you know I, I love the albums where we all wrote different stuff i did a lot on hairway you know because it was live and we were uh you know uh like that that was written a lot a lot of it was written on the road and a lot of it was written uh you know in practice places and stuff it was a lot different than some of the other recordings that we had done which were put together we actually went in the studio and, and recorded it when it was all done and that's most of the stuff that's on our double live. So there's a lot of different vibe, you know, through different eras. And, uh, you, know, you know, Paul's got a lot of stuff that's a lot like his solo album and some of the funny stuff he did off of Peode. And, uh, and, uh, and I know he wanted to go for a kind of, uh, uh, at first he wanted to go for more of a tribal type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, he, in his words, we've never really had a good drum sound. And so that's why he went in with King into the studio to just get some loops and things like that. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, me, I, I just write whatever comes out of me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some things, some things I know I write for King's drumming, uh, which all the songs that I had written that I have that I'll probably put out by myself and Paul's playing on, uh, I have guests on it now. I've got, uh, the John Spencer's, uh, well, the guy from Quasi uh, uh, is, uh, and he plays with John Spencer now. Sam Coombs, uh, he played some stuff on it, and uh, I'm gonna have Paul on it. I got the Shit Kid Girls on one of the songs, and uh, just kind of putting stuff together like that. But they were originally designed for King style of drumming, as okay. he calls it, uh, primitive. You know, so when I play with Ray Washam, which I haven't done in a long time, I would write, you know, something that sounded like a typewriter that didn't make sense for drums, uh, because that's the kind of drummer he is. But uh, King, King, uh, you know, his style is his style. So uh, it's always been a very influential on his style as to what our song sounded like. You know, uh, he, when I went to play him, play him some of my new songs that I had in mind, I said, I said, uh, I described it more like the uh, two four kind of, you know, uh, out of a four four song, saying what it was, and he just looked at me and I said. Boom pa, boom boom pa, boom pa. He goes, now you're speaking my language. So, <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a you know, it's, it's fun working with those guys. We've worked in so many different ways. My favorite has always been together in the room together, and uh, you know that happening, all of us together. I doubt it. Yeah, uh, not for a while. That's uh, too although, bad. You know, has been brought up since then, uh, but you know, uh, no, no plans have happened. Well, that's, that's, you know, that's cool. Uh, um, I'm sure you've heard this before, but it feels like this world that we're living in right now could really use some butthole surfers in it. I think, uh, I think that's a Paul quote, actually. Oh, is it really? Oh, <laughs> okay. He, well, he said, he said, well, since, you know, he said it, it was a little different with different people in office. You know, Obama in office, uh, people don't, you know, don't, I'm not into politics, so I'm not going to go there. Sure. But when people are into Obama, that, you know, it's a different world. I know other countries liked us a lot more when Clinton was in there than when Bush was in there because I traveled uh, during that time. And I think now, again, it's the, the, the whole Trump weirdness and everything. And for some reason, this whole this whole world right now definitely makes more sense with the butthole surfers. <laughs> it and, does. Uh, I think me and Paul on our songs that we've been writing on right now, and I, I love what Paul's done. He's it's they're so good. I can't wait till y'all hear his his solo stuff at this point. Okay. Uh, but it's it definitely fits that mode of uh, <laughs> of of fitting in right now in this time. So is this, this is different stuff that he's working on than the uh, the cocky bitches stuff that he was putting out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was stuff that I think originally he had he had thought about some for butthole surfers, and mm. then it started getting more into solo. 
and uh but it's it's definitely different than cocky bitches <laughs> way different okay it's sort of, it's more like a solo album it's like a solo album versus like with like po kind of mixed into it and uh very creative what i've heard so far and really entertaining to me right on. i'm so happy to, so happy to hear him making those songs again i miss i miss, there's no one doing songs like he does um I won't bore you with the with my life story, but uh, so I, I'm I'm a little uh, I'm slightly younger. I'm 48 years old, and so my my introduction to the Butthole Surfers was when I was probably about 17, so like late 80s, and I picked Me up. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, I picked up uh, Hairway to Steven was the first record I bought, and I think I bought it strictly because of the cover and the name. I was like, what is this? Uh, yeah. And was blown away and disturbed and scared by it and everything else. But now that I've become a, a fan over the years, I. For me personally, um, just like from front to back, Independent Worm Saloon is probably my favorite studio album. Of, the rock, the rock record. It is the rock record, I guess, and maybe that's why because it's more digestible or whatever, if you want to say it that way. You know what I mean? But yeah, well, that was that had to do with John Paul Jones. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to get to. What was? I mean, you, I'm sure you've been asked this a thousand times, but how did that all come about? Uh, <laughs> it was a good story. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry, no problem. I burned something. <laughs> okay. Uh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he, uh, he, uh, we didn't know he got our demo, which actually had a version of us doing communication breakdown because we were joking around with it. And, uh, we had, we were talking to Joe Shikarelli, who I really liked a lot to do it. And, uh, Pete Anderson, who we weren't going to use because of a meat puppet story. And, uh, and we met with all these folks and then also we have a British A&R guy and we had a certain budget. But all of a sudden, there's John Paul Jones expressing interest in working with the Butthole Surfers, mm. and he had heard our demo, and uh, he didn't want to. You know, he doesn't like working with a band that uh, sounds like that wants to get the when the levee breaks drum sound. He does. That's that's his number one turn off, I guess. Really doing yeah. production work. Yeah. So he so he's you know wanted to come about this because it was way different, and uh, uh, he told us that he couldn't wait to tell Jimmy Page that he was working with the Butthole Surfers. Yeah, so uh, to him, I think it was a novelty, and also there's you know there's some some players sometimes on there uh, <laughs> on the albums. Yeah. So uh, he uh, uh, we got on the phone with him. He was more expensive than the other ones, and uh, uh, but our British A uh, and R guy was okay with that. So we went over budget, five thousand dollars over budget, and whiskey alone. Uh, which they weren't very happy with. <laughs> and uh, in fact, uh, John Paul Jones told me, I went to uh, see him when he played with Diamond de and we went back to the Four Seasons Hotel and went to the bar, and he was on the Scotch Drinkers Society and would drink Lagavulin and expensive scotches. And so I asked him, I said, oh, what do you want, man, Lagavulin? And he goes, a Shirley Temple. And I was like, <laughs> no, really, what do you want? And he goes, no, really, a Shirley Temple. He said, he said uh, y'all drove me to quit drinking. <laughs> that is amazing. But we didn't. We did not drink until after we were done with work. Well, give me. I won't say that. Uh, we, the rest of us did not drink until we were all done uh, with the daytime. Smoked a shitload of herb and whatever else we did, but uh, not uh, not drinking. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was all after hours. We had pretty set hours with it. And we went off to a beautiful place in Marin County, away from everything, like million dollar an acre property. Probably growing drugs out there. Uh, and uh, and right before us was uh, the expensive winos, and right before that was uh, Linda Ronstadt up there with Flaco Jimenez and a bunch of people. So it was a really cool, nice studio, good vibe. The old machines that the Fleetwood Mac used out there. 
Really? And uh, yeah, we worked with John Paul Jones uh, in Austin before we got there for about two weeks. It was kind of funny. First comes into our studio and uh, he sets up his little Casio keyboard in there, and we have like an electronic drum kit and clips speakers that are kind of big, you know, and, and a couple of amps, and we're just going to jam the songs, and he's going to take notes. So we plug in his Casio, and, and wouldn't you know, he starts playing Cashmere on the Casio. Holy shit. And so we're all just sitting there staring at each other. We don't really know him. We're like, does he expect us to come in now on this song? <laughs> yeah. You know, but but uh, so we had, a, we had a really good time with him. He, he really let loose at first. He was smoking weed with us, uh, you know, walking around, drinking, having drinks with us. And he even got involved in a drum circle after we got him all stoned, walking around. And uh, you know, some, he pulled, like, some instruments out of this dog's uh, backpack, and this, this guy came over and started screaming at him. And then someone's like, hey, that's John Paul Jones. He's like, oh, you can play whatever you want, man. But uh, he, he had a really good time, and he was super cool uh, until his wife showed up. Oh, and that was that was later in in the mixing part of it, and uh, and you know it was uh, uh, it was just it wasn't like she was mean or anything. We just didn't see him anymore. He mm. it was, and you know you expect to see like some you know he'd been married I guess since he was seventeen, and, uh, and uh, or maybe eighteen. I thought it was seventeen, and so we were thinking, oh, John Paul Jones's wife, she's gonna be wow, man. I can't wait to see what this looks like. And she walks in, and she's got like, flip flops on. Uh, curly hair, no makeup, about a foot and a half taller than him. <laughs> We're like, wow, not what I expected. And, and John Paul Jones too. We wanted him to have a, you know, uh, flared out pants and you know, uh, you know, feathered back hair and, and and stuff like you know, and big old you know sideburns. But no, he had a polo shirt on and some khakis, some Dockers or something. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, you know, it was all it was all interesting getting into it. We did have one conversation that convinced us that we were going to use him and that was uh we were talking on the phone and we started talking about dogs and we're on a group group uh phone call uh back in back in the day and uh he said he had uh, some pickanies and we're like oh yeah pickanies and he goes you know like the kind from heart to heart and we'd get really stoned and watch stupid tv we didn't have cable so heart to heart would come on and we immediately all could relate to him because he watched heart to heart and he described his dogs as being from that show so i think at that point we we didn't really care about anything else we're like this is our man that is so random yeah yeah it was very random yeah i, I haven't even heard or or thought of heart to heart for many many years <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right at the cusp of the age where you would know that one. Oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah that's fantastic. As much of a fan of as I've been for a long time, I have only ever saw the buttholes once, and that was, uh, I think it was the last time you guys kind of did any kind of touring, which was, uh, I think, like 2011, you played Vancouver in a place called the Rickshaw Theater. Oh, I th now, yeah, were I you there? On that one. Oh, yeah, 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 that was awful. That place was awful. Yeah, well, I was. I had been doing a lot of day drinking that day, and I was very excited to see the show, but I don't really remember it very clearly. I just remember the video loops of horrible horror movie gore and uh the sound wasn't good in there but again mm -hmm. again i wasn't really in the yeah best that frame was of really mind. weird that we played that place and we were watching junkies shoot up between their toes outside of the yeah in our bus and uh how they ran their operation we just watched the whole thing the whole scatter and run and spread the word and then back out and and then yeah we get in there and it's uh everything's just shit and uh you know for us and 
you know, another thing is we used to be, you, you saw us after uh, what we used to do as, as shows. And uh, I feel bad for people that their only experiences to me that, that were that were that late because mm-hmm. we were a total different band back, you know, in the day. And we were a lot more in control of what the video images were, which weren't even video back then. We had three projectors yeah. and, you know, we'd focus the projectors on the smoke and we'd have a lot more strobes and smoke and fire symbols and, and what have you, but, uh, uh, things got mellower, uh, things got delegated to other people. Sometimes uh, there was one guy, I think he was actually on that tour that I liked his video work better than the others. Actually, if it was that guy, mm. that was Kiro and, uh, he's actually from Canada and, uh, uh, he's a, uh, DJ and he really, he does some cool stuff with the, with the, with the, uh, the imagery. It's just people kind of got wrong what i think we were used to be about was like we'd actually show really pretty stuff in there too we have aquariums and they have a penis reconstruction movie played backwards <laughs> right uh you know so it'd be all all different kind of messages and then when you get other people doing it they just do a bunch of blow and then they they think they're going to just shock everybody and show like this uh, <laughs> like it's just not the same thing all of our songs aren't just about you know mutilation and fucking heads blowing up you right know? there are there are pretty moments and there's different things and the juxtaposition of the images uh you know should be included but a lot of the times except for kiro i thought we we lacked on that mm-hmm. and also you know not uh not as active on stage with a uh, you know dancer or uh you know gibby's theatrics and not as much as we used to have sure uh yeah, you know, so it's it's you know it's fun. The music uh, we've we've actually played the last show we did was really good uh, as far as playing wise goes. And you know I, I've always had a hard time thinking of butthole surfers as just being the music. So I think that's probably where <laughs> I have a problem with our uh, live shows sometimes uh, not being you know which random ones we do have not been as intense as what they used to be. Uh, it's just kind of like a uh, like a lighter version of yeah. us, I guess. Oh, fair you enough. Know? Uh, I, so the I, music, I, I think, is is still you know is still up there uh, with what we used to do on the songs that we pick. We just don't pick a lot of the same songs still. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely aware that I missed the boat as far as seeing that the you know the peak of the live shows. I mean, I've read all about it and stuff, and and uh, but I guess you, you know you guys are getting older. Where you know things have to kind of shift down a little bit. Yeah, well, the difference too back then was we all lived together, and we all we all uh, from a lot of that portion of time we all lived together. We traveled together. We slept on floors together. And instead of getting our own places to live or settling down per se, we stayed on the road. We took we didn't even carry merch with us for the longest time, and we started carrying fog machines and strobe lights and and putting our money into that shit. Mm-hmm. And no other bands at that era were doing that on the on the level we were on. And, you know, the, the, you know, everybody has a wife, job, you know, kids, whatever, uh, life going on or, you know, and they're not willing to put everything they have into it. You know, this is before social media. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're getting press and fanzines, you know, the good old fashioned way. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, when I was growing up, the, the fanzines were the coolest fucking thing in the world. Now it's, sorry, F-bomb. But now right. you can't even, you know, now it's very rare to find one. They are out there, and it's fun when you do actually see one. As, you know, maybe it'll be like cassette tapes and make a resurgence someday. Um, know, people being proud of their own scene. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting time we live in because there's so much more access to everything, which is a good thing, and people can get their music out to everybody all at once, but it's, it just kind of uh, doesn't feel as special or something. Do you know what I mean? Be, it is, you, the discovery of music and bands isn't... Since there's no effort involved in doing it, it doesn't feel as... Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know what I mean. Like, I mean, it's, it's you can you, anybody can put an album out now, and it's great. And maybe if people like yeah. it, you can get everybody to hear it. But the fanzine stuff and the, the word of mouth that's kind of gone the wayside a little bit, and that's uh, yeah, kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've been thinking a lot about that because I've, I've read some stuff about uh, some a psychological study about how why all the older bands are the ones that people still want to see, mm-hmm. and that it's hard for the newer bands, even though that you can listen to anything you want. And that's the problem, is that people don't have the time to weed through all the options that they have. So they're counting on somebody to tell them, or they're just going to stick with the bands that they liked before, or the people from the bands they liked before. And so you know, what I thought was going to take away from you know the bands that have worked for a long time is actually... It's not working out that way. From what I've read, I don't know. I could I could be wrong. My studies, I, I can't I can't give you my sources. I was just listening to a radio show that went into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So it's, uh, I think uh, too many options. People don't have the time to weed through it. And so you know, like for me, that's a that's a, a good thing. I, uh, you know, uh, I'm a full time musician at this point, but uh, I've you know done whatever I needed to do to get by, uh, and and will always do that. You know. Uh, but you know, to make a living now, uh, if if you live as minimally as I do, <laughs> it's possible. But uh, you know, all my friends are possessions to their possessions, and uh, you know, so it makes it hard for a band to get out and get their uh, get their names out there and stuff like that. Because you know, to open for somebody, you have to be drawing a hundred people at every show you play before a bigger band's going to approach you and let you open for peanuts for them. <laughs> and uh you know so that's a, there's a lot of sacrifice and you know back when i was younger and stuff it, i didn't care i went i left home when i was 15 floated around and then joined them at 17 so that was actually living in a van with five people and a dog and and organized floors to sleep on was was a lot easier than what i'd been doing for a couple of years but yeah. uh, so i think for bands to you know uh, to go through that and people my age to go through that now uh, it's, a, it's, it's different also you're not going to make your money off the CDs unless you're selling them to drunk people it shows uh, everybody's into songs they're not into whole albums so you got to learn a whole different way of a whole different system of trying to market yourself and uh, you know to me I still love playing shows so to me it's more for promotion for, for being able to play shows and mm-hmm. sell CDs to drunk people <laughs> Uh, you know, so, so I try and get the word out and I'm, you know, for my solo stuff, especially, uh, yeah. uh, banjo stuff I've been doing. It's, it's like, it's fun. I, I play every band I've been in pretty much, except for, I don't play any butthole surface songs, but, uh, oh, you don't, uh, but uh, no, I don't, I, I haven't played on um, ballad of naked man was my song on there, but, uh, I don't know. I'm not interested in playing that one for some reason. My stuff's a little bit more, uh, I've got loops and, and, yeah. uh, some pedals and stuff and so i try and create like different versions of some of my old songs that i had because no one's heard them anyways so <laughs> might, as well, might as well put them out on on uh on my banjo which makes me play them a lot different yeah well let's talk a little bit about these other projects because you know being a full-time musician you've got your hands in a bunch of stuff kind of all at once and ongoing and so oh, yeah. yeah um your solo record uh keep on the grass came out last year yeah um and then you're in a band called pure luck now that's yeah, the pure, pure lux where you yeah. play the banjo and that, right? 
banjo and guitar. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, I like playing. I, I you know much prefer the banjo, but some songs I have to play guitar. Um, and honky is still going strong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know about strong, but we're still going. Uh, we're playing. Yeah, we got uh, some shows lined up right now, but uh, but we're all been busy doing some stuff, and so uh, we never. You know, we're gonna. Our goal in honky right now is play some shows, and then we're just got thinking to just do the release the songs uh, every now and then. Uh, you know, because we've got some songs we want to do, but instead of doing an album, we might just because uh, we've got a few different drummers we play with, so we might go at that route and see what happens on that and. Uh, you know, stay stay somewhat relevant, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe if we get enough of those together, put them together as a collection. Uh, but that way it would be fun to to jam with the people without any of the pressure and all that. Yeah, we do pretty well for live shows because we don't play that often anymore. Uh, but uh, you know, touring with the last tour we done was uh, I think Europe, and we beat ourselves up over there for about thirty days or something <laughs> in a in a in a brutal summertime uh, heat wave that they were having and. Nobody buys an AC for the normal two weeks of hot weather. No, so, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty brutal. But uh, but yeah, we we still you know enjoy playing. But Bobby's doing some work. Uh, he's got a solo album out or uh, working on one uh, called Rockingham, which is more like kind of a prog band, I guess. I'm I'm loosely familiar with that term, mm-hmm. but uh, I think that's what it goes by. More of a not as much of like good time music as he would say, but it's more of like you know King's X kind of stuff or something like that. Okay, uh, which he's always been into, and uh, uh, and uh, yeah, and then the drummer stuff. We've got you know great drummers to choose from. So, uh, but we're all doing different stuff. I did I did 91 shows with the Melvins last year. So yeah, didn't, didn't really didn't really make it. Uh, uh, too easy for us to get something together, uh, and uh, yeah. So Melvin's been doing that. Are you officially and, a uh, member of the Melvins now? I guess uh, it's I'm all always kind of rotating, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> in. I'm in the family. I'm. Uh, there's. There's. Uh, they definitely wore wore my name out for the past two years, but you know, uh, doing an album that Buzz wanted to call Pinkus Abortion Technician, and the first album that you know he didn't write any songs on. I asked him to do lyrics on some, but me uh, and uh, me and Dale and Steven actually wrote uh, the stuff that wasn't covers on there. We did a 13th floor elevator version of I Want to Hold Your Hand. Oh, wow. Uh, on that record, which was, you know, pretty, came out pretty cool. I'm not, not actually a Beatles fan. I know that's a weird thing to say, but uh, it's it just no, not my, uh, you know, music's supposed to make you feel good. It doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> Never has. But uh, so th- th- it was fun to do that version of that on there, and then we did uh, uh, James Gang uh, ha- cover, split in half of the Butthole Surfers cover, and uh, which Buzz got, wanted to do, and he put that together, and then he wanted to cover a Graveyard. Uh, he wanted to do the fast version, I wanted to do the slow version, and so we kind of did an in between version, uh, pitched down the way I wanted it to be pitched down. So, but uh, but yeah, so they, they, I got to do a bunch of shows. They got my name out there for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be back to a three piece on this one. Uh, the next stuff that they're doing, and uh, Red Cross will be playing with them, and Dale and Stephen playing Red Cross, and Dale and Stephen playing Melvins, and so it works out really well. That's why Honky did a tour with Melvins. It was very similar. Okay. Uh, and but Buzz is a very good businessman, and he thinks about those kind of things and tries to make that happen. Uh, you know, how many seats we do it like in a 
uh, Dodge uh, in a Mercedes Sprinter and a uh, in a regular van, which Buzz likes to drive, which has the merchandise in it. So we don't bus it or anything. So it's a matter of space and logistics and all that. But uh, hopefully, uh, from what he said, since we did some acoustic stuff together, uh, and it went over pretty well with us and with I guess some other folks, uh, he's 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 been recording a shitload right now. Uh, and just did some acoustic stuff with Trevor Dunn as part of it, and he played some. He did four songs. They did four songs with Flipper, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and then they did five songs with Shit Kid. But anyways, he's doing a bunch of stuff, and then I think next year we're planning on doing uh, acoustic thing together. Hopefully, uh, from what the uh, initial talks were, it would be uh, at some point in time me and him and Trevor Dunn. Uh, going out and maybe doing our individual solo stuff and then playing some stuff together. But he says he wants to do some recording next year. So it's, I feel like I'm in the family. I'm, yeah. I, I know I'm first chair banjo, probably <laughs> second string bass, but uh, second chair bass at the point at this point. But Trevor Dunn is in there too, so I might be third third chair. Uh, how was that Chris Cornell tribute? You were you were with them for that, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was interesting. It was. Uh, it was it was uh, it was it was smoother and better than I thought. Uh, the Soundgarden guys are sweethearts, and uh, uh, they treated us great. There was kind of two different camps on that. There was uh, uh, there was his uh, there was the Soundgarden camp, and then there was uh, Chris's ex-wife or his wife, should I say, his yeah, widow? Sure. And uh, so there were two different kind of you know. Uh, yeah, there were people that I talked to. I borrowed a bass amp from a guy from Rage Against the Machine, uh, and he played an Audio Slave, Tim, and he uh, he was not going to play the show because he did, he uh, uh, he was even telling me he didn't think the Melvins should be on it. But I'm like, hey, dude, you're talking to me right now. Uh, <laughs> you can leave us out. But uh, you know, he was upset with the choice of the people that were playing it and everything. Mm-hmm. It wasn't you know, and the thing that he doesn't understand is. Well, I, I'm I'm only speaking from listening to the other fellows speak. Uh, I'm not from the Northwest. They they're from the Northwest, and they were tight with uh, Chris Cornell. But the folks in LA that think that uh, they they didn't know how tight the Northwest scene was, I guess. Right. And so they they didn't they only knew you know they lived in LA, so they didn't they didn't weren't involved in that stuff. So all those folks that didn't want to have anything to do with it really, I don't think understood. But Miley Cyrus, as much as I didn't understand why she was on it, was probably the best, <laughs> the best performer of the whole thing. Oh wow! Yeah, she was amazing. I thought she was gonna like. I thought her voice would be gone after she was done with the tracks. Amazing. She was just uh, really, really amazing. And Metallica was uh, uh, more boring than I could have imagined. <laughs> and it, they messed up in their stage. I, I was watching them on the TV because it was too crowded on the stage, and I didn't really care, anyways. And uh, I saw their sound check, so that's why I didn't care. And uh, then I watched it on the TV, and there's no crowd noise. So you can hear them, and they mess up on the beginning of a song, and it sound, you feel like you're just watching someone practicing because you're not hearing any crowd noise. And the banner is just really bad in between to cover it up, and then a big pause, and then they play it again. And Lars, Lars uh, needs a drum machine. Obviously, <laughs> it's just pathetic. And uh, he's playing four four to all this stuff, and he can't even do boom, pop, boom, pop, boom. Uh, wow. Uh, anyways, no, so, yeah, but there was a lot of there was a lot of camaraderie out there. Yeah. Uh, it was it was nice. 
uh, and, and Kurt Hammock uh, 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 got to hold a two million dollar guitar. I didn't know it was worth that at the time. Wow! But uh, he, he was really nice and came over and was talking to us. Probably right after we were talking shit about them. And uh, <laughs> then he had uh, Peter Green's guitar, which he bought, and so that's what's worth two million dollars. And so I, you know, got to got to feel the mojo off of that. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and I guess yeah. those kind of things. Um, it, it's tough to keep it as authentic as possible without getting kind of Hollywoody. You know what I mean? Yeah, they actually split it up between two sides because we didn't see a lot of the people. Uh, the Metallica side was like the other side of the uh, auditorium, like where the backstages were, mm. and we were on the quiet side. And uh, we we're like next to Chris Stapleton's uh, string band, and uh, uh, you know, Soundgarden was actually on our side you know, of it. But there was a quiet side, and then there was the Hollywood side. And because uh, I was wondering why we didn't see any of these other people, Jack Black came back to say hi to us because his kids go to school with Steven's kids and stuff like that. Right. And, uh, you know, so but all, the mellow folks ended up over on that side, I guess. <laughs> nice. Heavy Feather Records. Is that your record label? Yeah, it's me and my partner, Stephen Haas from Pure Luck. And uh, we decided uh, to just to team up and do it. He's got a studio that's just got finished out at his property and, that's going to be our uh, recording headquarters, Hacienda Sound, and so we'll be all in-house with a lot of that stuff, and it's more for us putting out uh, our projects and uh, people in the in the family. It's, I've done a label before, and if you just to get random people, then you never know. You know, you, you don't really know how they get along. You don't know, you know, how much money to invest in a band that's mm-hmm. about to break up or. You know, the guy's married and has two kids and can't leave his job because he's a doctor or whatever. You know, and it's it's hard to, you know, you got to take all that in consideration and be realistic about it. Yeah. So that's why my solo stuff and Pure Luck and uh, my kids' project called uh, Square Cloud is going to be coming out on that as well. Oh, cool. And, yeah, and... Uh, what, yeah, kind of, so what kind of music does, yeah. your, does your kid play? Uh, he is into this, uh, crazy stuff. He's really talented on a bunch of different instruments, but he, uh, got into doing, I, I don't know the name of this Japanese fella, uh, does, uh, he's a guy, I guess they did like the Mario Brothers style loops of sounds. Mm. And so he does the eight bit stuff where he writes all the, uh, durations and the, and the tones and everything out by hand. And, uh, you, ba- you make these looped materials that, uh, that, uh, you can't tell where the loop is. They just keep going. It's, it's really beautiful. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not, you know, to get for me, I got to get used to the sounds, you know, because it's been ages since I listened to eight bit, you know, music. But uh, the uh, the composer, uh, the composing on it is, uh, I'm really impressed. So uh, he he does that, but he plays instruments. He can play it all on on guitar if he wanted to, or a mandolin, or on uh, or ukulele, or whatever you give him. He's uh, he's way more talented than me. Are you hesitant at all at having your son uh, follow a musical career? Well, I feel bad. I, I've actually, I'm, you know, this is personal stuff for me, but uh, I, I discouraged him uh, from it. I did, uh, not from playing music, but from trying to make a living at it. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not an easy game, and I got lucky. You know, luck had a lot to do with me. Uh, you know, right place, right time. I think my new favorite quote from... Uh, uh, Hunt Sales from Tin Machine, who lives out here, they did an article on him, and I read it because he's a funny dude. And uh, he basically, like, you know, uh, I was at I was at the corner of preparation and opportunity, 
and you know, a little bit of luck on top of that. That doesn't happen to everybody. Yeah. And, and the timing of it all. So I was basically, I think, uh, I drove a little wedge between us. It's a good thing for parents to know if any of them are out there because I, he took it as I didn't think he was good enough to make a living at it. Right. And I was saying, just do it for fun. Don't do it for a living. And, you know, so, you know, it, there were years went by before we clarified <laughs> what, what was going on. And, uh, and so now I'm, I'm encouraging him to do whatever, you know, he's, he's wants to do. He's 20, he's 24 right now. So okay. he's, you know, he's doing his, his thing. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think that the way he's doing it is, is proper for succeeding today. Uh, if you can compose, I kind of like my solo banjo. It's like I don't have to wait on five people at different schedules or any of that stuff, and I can go do a show by myself if I want. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just it's very freeing. Yeah, you know, there's there's no one to congratulate after the show, but <laughs> you know, or if it sucks, you you know, you, you can't apologize to anybody, you know, except for yourself. But uh, but you know, it's 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 cool that he's he's doing something by himself. I I do like that. Being in a band is probably more of what uh, I would be thinking of when I say, you know, you don't think when when I did say if you want to do it for a living, then you go go to Juilliard or something and be someone who writes or teaches and you know, to, you know, composes stuff for commercials, you know, some some way to make a living. Because I told him, I said, all all I do is make money for accountants and uh, booking agents and and shit, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, lawyers. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that take the fun out of music sometimes. And I mean, uh, and that aside too, I mean, just being in a band and, you know, especially being on the road with a band is obviously never easy, but you experienced kind of the extreme of that, right? I mean, with the butthole surfers, that was, uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, but I didn't know it was crazy at the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's why people are like, you you guys did a lot of acid. Like, well, yeah, I did a lot of acid. Uh, you know, uh, for me, if I'm going to be somewhere, that was the only constant that I had. Uh, doing acid was like made everything normal for me. I don't know, but uh, you know, I, some of the guys deny they did as much as I think we did. Right. So I don't know. Maybe I think I've read a book on memory, and sometimes you make your you know memory you, you gets shifted in your head, uh, or you don't want people in your family to know that you did that much acid. One of the two. I'm not sure. Either way. Yeah. Uh but it was it was uh yeah and then when things got what got better it was like, well the way I described it before is instead of eating better I had two Big Macs and you know instead of one Big Mac and you know then I became a Big Mac for you know about a year so I understood that I can actually eat better with more money. Right. Um instead of just more shit. But uh yeah so that was you know, I think I did experience the highs and lows for sure. Being on a bus and staying in five star hotels and and uh, having my own room at a five star hotel. You know, uh, most bands you know were sharing rooms. Even the Melvins, we share rooms. Right. Uh, unless there's an odd man out, then we rotate. Who gets that? Uh, unless you're in Europe, then they give you rooms. So it's a little different. But in the states, it's more. You know. We're there. We're not there for anything other than to get some sleep, a shower, yeah, uh, and you know whatever else we can squeeze in out there. I've I've heard often from people that they they tend to treat bands much much better over in Europe. As far yeah, as they that's... don't treat you like you're a bum. Right. Uh, we, we've talked about that for years in the butthole surfers, even way back when. You know, if you told someone you're in a band, you might as well say you're homeless or you just got out of jail. Uh, you know, if you go over there, they respect you because you're actually they consider that to be 
uh, you know, a, a, a job. <laughs> yeah. Know? Uh, you're actually in a, but you know, my kid had said at one point in time and, uh, we looked it up and it was a different, different definition, but, uh, art is something done not for survival. And, you know, so a lot of people look at it in a different way. Uh, you know, art, art is, you know, you don't kill a deer with art usually, you know, <laughs> Uh, yes, well put. You could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you probably. Yeah, you, you. <laughs> I haven't tried it yet. Let's put it that way. Um, can I assume? I assume that you're a marijuana enthusiast. Uh, just yeah, to, yeah, yeah, very, very much so. And that's great. I mean, and we legalized it up here in Canada um, back in October, and it's actually yeah. harder to buy weed now than it was before. Yep. It's uh, uh, see, this is my, this is my uh, well. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, but, in my hometown, like there's a few places opening up here and there around the country. Uh, there literally is not a place yet where you can legally buy pot in Victoria. So, there, but leading up to this, like for the last maybe three or four years, were all these dispensaries that opened up illegally, but the cops never touched them. They and you would walk in and buy weed, no problem. They never had any any issues. Right. Then they legalized it, and all of these places shut their doors because they wanted to be legit. So they wanted to get the proper permits and everything. Mm-hmm. And they're all sitting there yep. losing money, uh, and it's impossible to find weed now because the government's taking so long to get around to these fucking permits. Yeah, and what really fucked me up about what well, sorry, what messed me yeah. up about y'all's uh, laws up there too is that the amount of punishment for growing your own uh, that I, that I was reading about, uh, up there. And I, okay. Uh, the same way I say about, uh, like why I don't like F1, but I love NASCAR is, that uh, you know, Europeans can ruin every sport there is, you know, <laughs> I, 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 so, uh, but the same thing with the, with the government, the government can ruin everything there is. I would so rather it be on the black market, uh, yeah. in general and be tolerated and understood as it's a plant then it, it, which we have a we have a uh, Christian Republican uh, senator, from what I understand, uh, out in El Paso, I believe, and he introduced a bill saying that he didn't believe God made mistakes. He didn't smoke you know, any of that stuff, but he did not think a plant should be illegal. Great, and that was like the first time it was going to be talked about because it came at it that, with that angle. Now that's better. Yeah, it's the same thing with I like mushrooms a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about legalizing mushrooms. Okay, so I'm supposed to go because I, I don't have depression, I don't have anxiety, I'm not bipolar. Mm-hmm. I just like taking mushrooms. <laughs> so why do I have to get a doctor to write down something that says I'm depressed or I've got anxiety? That's going to be like on my medical record for the rest of my life. Same with weed. Uh, you know, I, why can't you just smoke it because you like it? Because it helps you out, it makes you feel good, it helps you operate and get through the day because it's your secret pudding. Maybe the know? reason you don't have uh, anxiety and depression is because you smoke weed or do yeah. mushrooms. And you know what I mean? Mushrooms. You're not doing it as you're not using it as a cure for that, but it's been preventing yeah. that for all this time. Well, you know the the drugs, all the drugs that the government legalizes, and the ones that that uh, that I try and stay away from are the ones that cover up pain, and the ones I like to take are the ones that make you deal with it. And uh, I think that's yeah, you know, the government's always going to prefer that everybody is medicated and not working on themselves than to actually discover themselves and realize what's important in life and, you know, step away from society a little bit. Because if you, you know, if you go to Sweden, uh, which my, the shit kid girls are from, and we just played over there, and the only word I could think about it was domestication. It's like if you're not in that, you know, you get a lot of benefits from the government if, and you're so dom- domesticated 
by you know what how you're supposed to live and you know uh, you know the homeless are treated weird there you know so yeah. it's a very strange environment you know uh i, I think uh that, that's why those people do that they don't do you know the the psychedelics over there that's not <laughs> they do cocaine and it's hard for them to even get weed right uh you know so yeah, it's a, it's a weird, you know, domesticated uh, way of life, and I think that's what the what the government likes us to be, covering up our our issues and always needing help. Else, how, how else can they take care of us? Yeah, very well put. Uh well, Jeff, I don't know what else I have. This has been a great chat. Yeah, it's been great, man. I hope I don't regret anything I said, but I don't think I. <laughs> I don't think you will, unless you get <laughs> Lar- Lars Ulrich knocking on your door, maybe. Yeah, what's, what's that book on regret? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, well, thanks so much for your time, man. It was, it was interesting and fun for me, too, man. I appreciate your time on that. Uh, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, like, it's it's been great to talk to you. I've been a fan for a long time. I love, I love, I've always loved music that's quirky and has a sense of humor. You know what I mean? And Butthole Surfers yeah. and and, uh, and all that just fits right in there. I've, I've always loved the Dead Milkman. And there's a band from my hometown called No Means No that doesn't exist anymore, but they were kind of like that yeah, in my, in my mind. Them. Yeah, um, my favorite growing up, one of them, one of my favorites growing up was Angry Samoans. I mean, sure. I remember trading my Group Sex Circle Jerks album to my buddy Fred Metz, rest in peace, for his Circle Jer- uh, for his Angry Samoans one because I was like, yeah, I kind of want to hear that one now. Burn on this Circle Jerks thing, but uh, but yeah, it was fun, man. I like I liked all those bands. In fact, one of Paul's covers, I don't think he'll be upset. Uh, but he's working on a Vandals uh, cover. Oh wow! Uh, which uh, is uh, which? Hopefully, he said he wants me to play bass on. So, uh, but that's that was another great comedy band. Sure, that was way ahead of their time. Yeah, they're still around uh, too. Yeah, 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 they are still around. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's a, there's, there's still some uh, exciting and fun stuff coming out. I think from the from our camp. Uh, of all of us with the butts and yeah. doing a, I know King King does shit and shine and not shit and shine that's his, the other guys do that but USA USA uh, Mexico mm, yes uh, is his band uh, he's doing with the shit and shine guys and that's really good stuff I liked it live a lot well it flies you over uh, yeah that's awesome and I, and it's good to hear that you're all doing stuff and you know you mentioned at the beginning that you know Gibby sent you some stuff and uh, so it's it's awesome that you're all continuing and maybe all hope is not lost that, that there will be something under the butthole surfers uh, umbrella at some point in the future. Yeah. I don't want to give false hope, but yeah. I, I do, I do see a glimmer of something in there, but, uh, you know, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Is it? Uh, yeah. maybe yeah, I'm not going to say <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Well, well, well that, that's Perfect. good. That's good enough for me. As long as it's not completely dead in the water, you know, uh, thanks again, Jeff. Great, man. Thanks for your time, Jason. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day. Okay. You too, brother. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been the Punk Show Podcast. If you'd like to hear more, including kick-ass punk music, go to thezone.fm slash punk. Oh, yeah. And be sure to check out the Punk Show on Facebook and Instagram.